So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And this, the 11th of December, is the third Sunday of Advent. My name is John Keeley. Thank you again for joining me today. Shane isn't with me today. He is out in Turkey, actually, in Istanbul on his work. But what has recorded uh, Saints for the Week, and I'll play that now in a few seconds. But in the meantime, thank you again indeed for joining me and Shane for this podcast again from Come and See Inspiration Studio here in Ada County Limerick. Mm-hmm. We continue to welcome our listeners who are housebound, lonely and struggling in some way today. And of course, our listeners who support us each week in prayer. Our weekly podcast includes interviews on faith topics, inspirational music and reflecting on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.buzzpread.com and also on our blog, Historical uh, Material, sacredspace102.blogspot.com. So that's Come and See Inspirations. Just Google Come and See Inspirations. You'll find us there. Sacredspace102. You'll find us there too. Also on Spotify and iTunes and, of course, on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. You can contact us if you wish by texting on 87 6088667 that's 0876088667 or email come and see inspirations at gmail.com now at this point of our podcast we'll, we can listen to Shane, uh, Shane's recording of Saints for the Week this week Greetings from the ancient city of Constantinople this week, uh, which is the third week of Advent. And as John said at the top of the programme, today is the third Sunday of Advent. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week three. So just to run through our celestial guides for the coming week, it is the Advent season, of course, so the season takes proper. But we do remember these saints in the uh, the following few days. Monday the 12th of December is the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe. Now, Guadalupe is not a devotion that would have been very common in Ireland at one stage, but it is very common in South and Central America. It is um, it is the vision of Our Lady in uh, 1531 to Juan Diego, who uh, near near Mexico City. <clears throat> and he tried to uh, convince the bishop that he had seen Our Lady after, and at her request to build a temple to honour her there. And uh, he, she told him to carry roses to the bishop. And when he got to the bishop's house and laid down the roses, they discovered that the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe had imprinted itself on his tilma, which was the cloak that he was wearing at the time, and which is still to be seen to this day in the Basilica at Guadalupe uh, and has been honoured as such uh, as the sign of the, of the apparition. Uh, it's generally seen as Our Lady uh, in, under her title of the Immaculata, the Immaculate Conception, using the signs uh, that we associate very much with that portrayal of Our Lady in art and architecture. Um, very much uh, interested, it's been examined over the years. It's still the original clo- uh, plant-based t- cloak from 15... 15- uh, 31 that still hasn't deteriorated it's still there has been examined by um, conservationists and artists and all sorts and it's still perfect as to the day it was first taken up so that's Our Lady of Guadalupe who celebrates on the 12th of December on the Irish calendar on the 12th of December we celebrate the feast day of St. Finian of Clanard Finian is a founder of a number of monasteries in Ireland, but in particular is associated obviously with the monastery of Clonard in County Meath, which he founded around 520 AD and was a training centre for great Irish saints. He's associated as being a spiritual teacher of St. Columba of Iona, uh, St. Kieran of Clonmacnoise, St. Brendan the, Voy- the, the Brendan the Voyager, and, and uh, many other saints. 
Um, and, and he died in 514, between 549 and 552 uh, by tradition, and he died of the plague. Then on Tuesday, the 13th of December, we have the feast day of one of the great women saints of the early church, St. Lucy, or Lucy of Syracuse. Lucy is one of the virgin martyrs and is said to have died around 304 in Sicily. She was a rich young Christian of Greek ancestry, raised in a pious family and was engaged to be married, but she to, she didn't want to, basically. And she prayed at the tomb of St. Agna to convince her mother um, and her mother's long illness was cured. And as such, her, she agreed with Lucy's desire to live for God. Unfortunately, her fiancé, her bridegroom-to-be, uh, didn't quite agree with her decision and reported her to the authorities as being a Christian, which then resulted in her arrest and martyrdom through various means. Um, legend has it that they tried to drag her away, but she couldn't be moved. She was fixed to the ground. Um, and then when that didn't work, they ordered that she be killed. Um, breakfast warning for those that are listening. After torture, that included having her eyes torn out. Uh, she, they tried to set her on fire. That didn't work. And in the end, she was stabbed to that. Now, she holds a number of patronages in terms of saints against blindness, against dysentery, epidemics, sore throats, against fire, uh, uh, patron saint of those that are blind, um, patron saint of penitent prostitutes, and all sorts. A uh, very popular saint, um, and is traditionally shown holding um, a plate with her eyes on it. Is generally the iconography that's associated with her. So that's Saint Lucy, whose feast day we celebrate on the thirteenth of December. On the fourteenth of December, we celebrate one of the great mystical saints of the Church, Saint John of the Cross, Carmelite saint. Famous for having worked with Teresa of Avila in the reform of the Carmelite Order, the Scalced Carmelite Order. He was born in 1542, he died in 1591, and he took the name John of the Cross. Now, one of the great things about John is his writings, actually, which are seen as some of the uh, most beautiful writings in early in Spanish, medieval Spanish, including, of course, his descent, uh, Ascent of the Mountain, and, and other poets, poetry that he wrote. Uh, famous uh, in many ways in terms of contemplative life and he's a patron saint of contemplatives and mystical theology. So that's John of the Cross on the 14th. On the 15th of December, we celebrate the feast day of St. Mary di Rosa. Uh, she is an Italian saint and died in 1855. Pious childhood, grew up relatively uh, well-off family, founded a religious community uh, who cared for the sick and she joined it until her death in uh, 1855. And then on uh, Friday... The 16th of December, we have another one of the royal saints, St. Adelaide of Burgundy, uh, born a princess, married, uh, promised at the age of two in marriage, married at the age of 16 to one of the kings in Italy. Not a great married life. He eventually was poisoned and she had a whole load of troubles with her in-laws. Um, and eventually, anyway, she was after raising her grandson to be the emperor, Holy Roman Emperor, she retired to a convent of uh, near Cologne and there she lived out her life and she died in 999 AD of natural causes. And finally, on Saturday, we have the feast day of St. Modestus of Jerusalem. 
sold into slavery in Egypt as an adult. He converted his owner to Christianity and was freed. Uh, tried to raise a Greek troops to oppose the Persian invasion and destruction of Jerusalem in 614. He was chosen after that as the Bishop and Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Jerusalem and he helped to rebuild the city after its conquest and damaged by the Persians. So some of the um, Basilica of the Holy Sepulchre, which would date back to that around that time and the Basilica of the Nativity in, in Bethlehem would be the result of his works. So that's what we have, John, in terms of this week's Saints of the Week. And so we thank Shane for sharing those saints for the week with us. So just one notice to bring to listeners' attention. The Advent talk, a series of talks in Glenstall, with the theme Beginning Anew, continue today uh, with Father Henry O'Shea speaking on the topic Coming to Zion, Shouting for Joy. Next Sunday, actually, it's at 4.30 again, um, Father Columba McCann speaks on the topic Awakening to God's Presence. The talks are live-streamed, so really if you just Google on to glenstore.com, the Abbey, click on Talks, you'll be able to listen to them there live at 4.30pm. And they're also recorded, so you can really listen back to them at any time. So just before we go for our first bit of music, uh, in part two of our podcast today, we're delighted to have Father Frank Duick from Newcastle West area, to join us to give his reflection on Advent and pre-Christmas season and also reflect with us on the Sunday Gospel. But in the meantime, we can go for our first bit of music. It's entitled Come Jesus, Prince of Peace and it's sung by the Sunday 7pm Choir. Thank you. 
So welcome back again to the second part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley. And as promised, we have invited Father Frank to join us again. Father Frank Dewey from Newcastle West, uh, from Newcastle West area, I suppose, at this particular stage, um, to join us today to maybe give us a few thoughts on Advent and pre-Christmas reflections and that sort of stuff. So, Father Frank, you're very welcome. Thanks again for Thank joining you us. Thank you. Thank you. So... Before, I suppose maybe the best place to start is maybe you can give us a few thoughts on Advent first. Yes, John, yeah. Um, <clears throat> as you know, the church's year begins uh, not on January the 1st, no. but on the first Sunday of Advent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Advent is a, a period of preparation for the celebration of the birth of Christ, our Saviour. And a period of waiting that maybe, um, I think today, John, a lot of people don't like waiting. You know, the pace of life is so fast and we can get things so quickly. And they want it now, you know. Um, but waiting is central to, to God's plan, God's way. And the scripture readings during Advent illustrate this. Uh, prophecies from Isaiah, for example, in, in the Old Testament, accurate prophecies about the coming of the Messiah written up to 800 years before the birth of Christ. Um, So God made people wait. God moves uh, at his own pace. You've heard me before, John, uh, put it as one of the things we have to learn in the spiritual life is we have to slow down to God's pace. Um, we all know that um, God could move as fast as he like, but he doesn't. Mm. Um, and you know, John, that before Christ's birth, there was almost 400 years of silence from the prophets. It is no wonder that in one of our gospel readings, recently we found, and I quote, people from the city of Jerusalem and towns all over Judea were flocking out into the desert when they heard there was an, an, a prophet speaking after all those years. This is a people that historically were used to the prophets and being guided by them. Um, and normally, John, people in those places wouldn't be found dead outside in the desert. They no, avoided no. it like the plague. Yeah. Mm. Um, but here they are now flocking out. So you see, there was what I mean by waiting as, uh, as an advent team and um, <clears throat> and of course they were also hungering 
uh, we said that's the prophecy. They were hungering for the word of God, you know, and um, that hunger was created within them, the way God created them. And that hunger was part of their going out into this, in inverted commas, God forsaken place. It wasn't God forsaken as it turned out. It yeah. was where God, well, where they could connect with him. But if you think about it like 800 years, you know, it's it's beyond a lifetime. So therefore, it's, you can I can understand how some people would have said, Look, this is not going to happen. Oh, yeah, I know the yeah. prophecy were there. I know some people who were given the gift of faith or whatever it was mm. to, 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 to accept. And then all of a sudden, then this guy comes along yeah. in the desert. Yes. What, what, what do you want to go in that place for, as you've just said to us? Oh, yeah. But it shows how deeply it was woven into the way God created people. That's the thing. But we have the same thing, John. You know? yeah, yeah. St. Augustine put that marvelously when he said, you have made us for yourself, yes. O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. That's been quoted for the last 16, 17 centuries for a reason. Yeah. It rings true in our experience. We are all created with that hunger for God. And if we don't buy into that waiting for God that is part of our faith journey that Advent illustrates so well, we won't develop much of a relationship with God. Um, see, the people... A lot of people give up their faith today because they prayed for something, they met trouble, they prayed for it, and God yeah. didn't answer them. He didn't answer them. He didn't ring, ring back, return the call, shall mm-hmm. we say. You know, it's, um, so that's, that's one point I would make uh, then about Advent, that is very much a season of uh, waiting. But another point that the church um, brings to my attention during the season of Advent, it's also a penitential season, um, Something that we all would sometimes question, like, well, why do we want a penitential season when we've got the coming of Christ coming? But anyway, you, no doubt you'll, you'll expand on that for us. So yeah. may, maybe you can say something about that. Yes, John, um, <clears throat> I think actually, if I remember right, when I was here this time last year, John, I think I spoke a good deal about that. So I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. it in detail again, just maybe take a different line. But uh, just to answer your question, it is... Um, uh, it is very much a, an Advent theme, repentance, um, very central to Advent, uh, as is Lent. But somehow um, we are not as conscious of Advent in that light. We are all conscious that Lent is a mm, penitential yeah, season, yeah, but yeah. for some reason we haven't cut the Advent thing. Although, uh, you know, connected with that, uh, um, it has been part of our tradition is to have confession before Christmas uh, mm. in the same way at the end of Lent before Easter, you know. But I suppose, John, we could uh, look at it like this. If Christ were coming to you or me tomorrow for a visit to our house, um, we might do a bit of prep, put it mm. lightly. Mm. Mm. We might tidy things up a little bit, you know, um, get things in order. We try to be at our best we look at what needs to be brushed up or eliminated in our lives. Advent is that kind of renewal time, kind of a looking at ourselves, a reminder that Jesus is always coming closer and Advent is that time of renewal and, and all the time waiting for Jesus to come and being ready for him, you know. So that's where the penitential thing comes When you put it like that, okay, yeah, and I mean... That brings me back, my thoughts anyway, back to what you said just a few minutes ago there, where you said, we won't develop much of a relationship with God unless we spend that time mm. 
in Advent. And so therefore, if I'm spending the time in Advent, as you said, and, and, and I've been told Jesus is coming, then I want to be prepared, as you've just said to us. That's now that makes a little bit of sense. Yeah, and, and the penitential thing is par- a big that's, part of that, the preparing. That's, a, that's you know. a sign, yeah. Yeah, and, and as you, you're probably worn out from hearing me saying that, uh, that it's the repentant sinner that yes. God forgives yes. and God is merciful to. Yes. We can't just say God is merciful, he'll forgive us no matter what we do, you know. Um, it's, the pen- it's the repentant sinner that God is merciful towards. We have to recognize our sinfulness and, and, and bring it to God and his only desire is to forgive the repentant sinner. But anyway, that's well, that, but, yeah. thing, you know, about repentance. You know? Well, yeah, good, thanks. Again, um, Advent. You mentioned uh, Mary. She's an Advent saint. Yeah, I, I often think of her uh, in, in that light, John. You know, as we don't, we don't always ever think of Mary as a saint. We kind of feel she was more than a saint. That's right. Yes, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but but she was a saint, of course. You know, and um, yeah, she's. Um, we can. I think we can get very much into the true spirit of Advent by looking at Mary's role as an Advent saint, mm-hmm. uh, if I may put it that way. And I suppose. Maybe that prompts the question, where does Mary figure in our lives today? And and maybe as we ponder that question, that we do so in the light of uh, Mary's role in the lead uh, through Advent and in, into the birth of Christ. Um, and Mary's role in what Advent leads into began when she was preserved free from original sin in her mother's womb. We'll celebrate it uh, shortly every year, the 8th of December, um, the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, mm-hmm. uh, that, that Mary was conceived free from original sin in her mother's womb. God's plan unfolding way back quietly when Mary knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. But God was preparing Mary. It all happens in God's own time. And then about... We're not quite sure what age Mary was, but she could have been as young as about 15, you know. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. But that many years later, after she's born, Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel with that astonishing message we're all familiar with, the Annunciation. And I think we can learn from Mary's response. After now, it, it must, we must say, a slight hesitation. How can this be, since I am a virgin? She had mm-hmm. a question she couldn't mm-hmm. understand. But then very quickly, let it be done unto me according to your word. Let your word be my guide. Mary teaches us there the importance of listening to God's word and being guided by it. And in that sense, we think of Mary not just as mother, but Mary as the supreme, the the, the disciple of Jesus par excellence the best disciple of Jesus of all time, she sure responded was. to the word. But she could only have responded to the word, going back to what you said earlier, mm. if she developed this relationship with God. If, if that didn't happen... That's she, right, she, she that's, right that's right. She, she developed a deep, deep relationship with God. And if you just trace her life right through, the, 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 the quality time, to use the modern phrase, that she had with Jesus. Yeah. Before he was born... Mm-hmm. And after his birth, you know, um, but difficult time too. Uh, it wasn't without his difficulties, you know. Um, we'll, we'll come back to that maybe in a minute. Um, and then you have uh, you get we learn another bit from Mary in, in the visitation uh, 
which was celebrating the joyful mysteries as well. Mary, we see Mary there as the sharer of the good news and as the carer. That's how I see her there. She she went bursting with joy to share her news with Elizabeth. And she had been told that her elderly cousin Elizabeth, possibly in her 80s, um, was also miraculously pregnant and expecting a baby. Um, so Mary starts her role as a spreader of the good news when she visited Elizabeth and made that long journey um, uh, and there was no Ryanair. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's expressed very much in the Magnificat, you know, the wonderful prayer. My soul glorifies the Lord. Mm-hmm. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's, she's spreading the good news. She's been the disciple there as well. And um, uh, we're also called, we are also called to spread and bear witness to the good news. Um, and in that sense, Mary bore Christ in her womb, but we are Christ bearers as well. Yes. We yes. are to bring Christ along with us and spread him. That's, you know, um, so we, br- we bring Christ forth in the world uh, just as Mary brought Christ forth uh, in the stable when she gave birth to him. Um, uh, and we start uh, doing that when, as we prepare for Christmas and we keep the fact that Christ is coming to save us as the center of our Christmas. Nothing takes precedence uh, over that. Now, I mentioned that we, we see Mary as the carer as well in the visitation. Uh, she could so easily have got caught up in her own importance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as the chosen mother of Jesus. I mean, we, yeah. we'd have forgiven her if she got all wrapped up in herself. Look at me. Yeah. But no. She goes to spend some time with her elderly relative, Elizabeth. And we're told, she didn't just drop in to see her. We're told, that, and I quote, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then went back home. Now, how much we can learn there from Mary's attentiveness to others and to her caring nature. Yeah, you know, and I was just thinking as you reflected there about Mary, you know, and, and so much we can learn from Mary. And, I, and it's only when I just take time to, to listen to what you're saying there. Again, it keeps on coming back to me. If Mary didn't have this relationship with God, she couldn't have done all this stuff. And oh, yeah. it's, that's what she's teaching us. Oh, yeah. And that's why she's, she's called the greatest disciple of Jesus yeah. ever. Yeah. In the sense mm. that she, she listened to his word and she let that be the guiding thing of her life. She was bonded with yeah. him the whole way. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense that way. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the nativity. We're closer to Christmas mm-hmm. and still, we're still accompanying Mary. Mm. What did she teach us about the nativity story? Yeah, right, John. I, I actually found myself thinking about this uh, uh, a good bit, obviously you would be every Advent, but, but I was thinking about it a good bit uh, lately, like in the whole nativity story, you know, and um, and the stable at Bethlehem, and you know, and uh, what had me thinking about this, John, is in particular this year was the whole to-do that was instigated by the lady who is uh, the mayor of Dublin when she decided that she would have no live animals in the crib at the mansion house this year. And her reason, the welfare of the animals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, John, Jesus was born in a stable, was kept warm by the animals 
in the stable. His young pregnant mother rode on a donkey as she searched for a bit of privacy to give birth to her first baby. I'm quite sure a woman's first baby, is she's more nervous for that mm-hmm. than for any subsequent child she may have. She was searching because she was homeless. Yeah. Mary yeah. and Joseph yeah. had no place to go at that time. And the message for us, John, Mary knows all about hardship. Mary has been homeless. Jesus had no home. Mm-hmm. And if you follow the story of Jesus, like it's amazing. There's no reference he went home to his home at night. You know, um, he was a, a wandering preacher, if you like. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, we, we don't know where he slept, mm-hmm. but it's um, and all of this illustrates to us the extent to which Jesus entered the human condition in the incarnation. He didn't just in some kind of a fashion, become one of us, you know, incarnation, the end fleshing. Jesus took on flesh. Mm. And um, that he really entered the human condition down to the level of being born in a stable. And and let us not forget, Mary was to be back on the donkey again with Jesus as Joseph walked beside them as they fled as refugees to Egypt. Mary was more hardship, yeah. more hardship, mm-hmm. yeah, and um, and possibly trying to breastfeed her baby mm-hmm. on, on as she traveled yeah. in that donkey. Because from what I was reading there, it it seems to have been a big part of you know the mm-hmm. rearing of children that yes. breastfeeding, mm-hmm. you know. And so the homeless, uh, a lesson we draw from that: the homeless and the refugees are Jesus's focus. He's been there, done that, so to speak. Yeah. And he wants us to let the homeless and the refugees know that his focus is on them. And that's our task as we spend Christmas. And in fairness, there is uh, quite quite a good deal going on. I was listening on the radio there earlier on today. Um, you know, things that are going on, uh, helping the needy, and there are a lot of very, very mm-hmm. fine things happening in, uh, in, by all kinds of people and uh Today and that they're they're letting the homeless and the refugees know, but I but the thing is I'm not sure that uh, some of the people that are doing that connected with Jesus at all, and that's a pity, like because they're actually being deeply Christian. Yes, you know, in doing that, that is Christian love, you know. Um, but and by the way, the animals are back Aha. in a Dublin crib this year, mm-hmm. but in Stevens Green, I think it is, not mm-hmm. in the Mansion House mm-hmm. one. Thanks, in fairness, in the main, to our local minister, Patrick O'Donovan, and the farming leaders. Yeah. Uh, you might have seen that, John. And already he, mm-hmm. they, uh, from the world go, Patrick O'Donovan said that uh, he, 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 as minister for the, whatever you, the, the Office of Public Works, mm-hmm. comes under his thing. And in fairness, him and he, he, he is going to deliver it himself from the farming leaders. And there would be no problem, no worry to the animals. Nobody looks after the animals. Like the farmer, like the farmer does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think Jesus would want the animals there. I've no doubt he was happy to have them in the first crib. And maybe too, John, he might be afraid that they would take him out of the crib next. And that's quite and, and that's quite <laughs> possible. That's quite possible, you know. Yeah. And you know, I mean, the thoughts there again. If he wasn't gone up before them, exactly. <laughs> but the thoughts there again are. are are, are, there's no lot of people in our society 
who will lead us into the way they want us to think if yes. we're if we're willing to to listen to them and and what I take the boring people again what I what I take again from your from your from your your reflection today is if we don't stay connected to God mm. we're going to fall down that path because you often say, you often used to say to us at lecture and I, I quote it to so many people sit down there now and I'll tell you how to think. What's that box in the middle of the floor, in, in the middle of the, or whatever, whatever? Let them dictate as to how you're going to live your life. And this is what this particular person, who was in a bit of power, was doing. No, she was trying to influence people who we didn't know anything about God and so on and so yes, forth, and, and and they weren't then given a chance because this person had the voice. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we are dictated to you know, and, and uh, the box in the corner is a dictator, a real dictator, you know, and and actually we're. Some people think we're living in an age of freedom. I think we never had less freedom <laughs> because um, the decisions are made for us by social media and by mainline media and so forth. Anyway. Father Frank, that was lovely. Thank you very much indeed for that. You're very welcome. I, I, I certainly got something for myself and I hope other people will also get the same as what I got from that. So in the meantime, we'll go for a piece of music that you picked and a, a lovely piece of music. Um, and uh, we, we all like Noel Henry. And this piece you picked was Hail Mary, Gentlewoman. Yeah, just because we spoke a lot about Mary's role, you know, in Advent. Perfect. So, join us again in part three, where we read and reflect on the Word of God. Gentlewoman, 
So, welcome back again to the third part of Come and See Inspirations. My name is, my name is John Keeley, still joined by Father Frank Dewick. And thanks, Father Frank, again for offering us that reflection. And, and, and no doubt, but there's some thoughts there. Maybe we can share it with people. Maybe people will be listening to this podcast in various parts of the world and might think maybe somebody else would like to hear something like this. So maybe offer them, share, share the link that's on our our. Our platforms, uh, come and see inspirations at budspread.com or, or, or Spotify, wherever it might be. Come and see inspirations, but share it. Uh, and somebody somewhere might just want that, but maybe that ties in a little bit with the gospel. In the meantime, uh, we'll read and reflect on the Word of God. Before that, there's a prayer we always pray usually on the program before reading and reflecting on Scripture. And maybe this morning, maybe, maybe both myself and Father Frank might just read this as we normally do at, at Lectio. Lord, Lord, we thank, thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed, nor our minds wander. But may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Just before we invite Father Frank to, to read the Gospel for us today, maybe a thought to bear in mind as Father Frank was sharing that reflection with us. 
we can learn something again from Mary. Mary listened to the word of God. Mary had God as part of her, her, her whole life. So maybe this morning, as we listen to Father Frank reading today's gospel, maybe we too, like Mary, can take it into our hearts. So well, let's invite Father Frank to read the gospel for today, which is the third Sunday of Advent. Thanks, Father Frank. John, a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. John, in his prison, had heard what Christ was doing, and he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or have we got to wait for someone else? Jesus answered, Go back and tell John what you hear and see. The blind see again, and the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And happy is the one who does not lose faith in me. As the messengers were leaving, Jesus began to talk to the people about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze? No? Then what did you go out to see? A man wearing fine clothes? Oh no, those who wear fine clothes are to be found in palaces. Then what did you go out for? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. He is the one of whom scripture says, Look, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you solemnly, of all the children born of women, a greater than John the Baptist has never been seen, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So thanks again, Father Frank, for, for sharing that reading of the Gospel with us. And uh, Father Frank, of course, just to remind people again, uh, Father Frank does share a lecture divina sharing with us each Monday night locally here in Newcastle West uh, actually from 8 o'clock until 9 o'clock in the, in the parish centre there in Newcastle West and I'm sure Father Frank will invite those who maybe haven't witnessed it before give it a go you don't have to talk You just just listen do, do as Mary does just listen but anyway Father Frank a few thoughts you might want to share with us please Yes, John. Well, I suppose what we normally do, we, we do a little bit about the background and context of the thing, so that the opening words there, John in his prison. Mm. John had been sent to prison by Herod, and the account of his imprisonment by Herod and why he was imprisoned is found a little bit later in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 3 to 12. Um, he basically had challenged Herod about his moral living and uh, getting involved with his brother's wife and so forth. Mm. And um, uh, Jerome, the great scripture commentator, uh, says that according to early scholars, to an early scholar, Josephus, the prison was in the palace fortress of Macareus, built by Herod the Great on the desolate heights of Moab near the Dead Sea. It was in a desolate area. You were there, John, in the Holy Land. It's in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, pretty yeah. much, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. So it wasn't just in prison, but the prison wasn't in the mm. middle of a city. Um, and the text tells us there that John had helped what Christ was doing and he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Now, I was reading a good bit about this and scholars, there's different theories about why John 
uh, sent. Uh, one theory is that John wasn't sure whether Jesus was uh, the, the person he was sent to prepare for, the expected mm-hmm. a Messiah. And um, and maybe that might have been prompted a bit too, but uh, Jesus wasn't behaving in the way John had expected. Mm-hmm. Jesus was talking a lot about love, whereas John was uh, shot from the hip and he was—he mm-hmm. really challenged people, and he, and he'd also the notion that Jesus might come as some kind of a sovereign judge. Mm-hmm. So he's confused and a bit helpless, of course, in prison, and he sends messengers for clarification. Now it might also be some scholars say that John did know that Christ was the Messiah, but some of his disciples, who later went on to join Jesus, uh, that they might have been questioning him, and maybe he sent some of them down to see and see for themselves. Yeah. Uh, mm. We don't know, but for whatever reason, he he sent them down to Jesus and um, they asked him, are you the one uh, who is to come? That was their question. Yeah. And uh, as we heard there, Jesus answered, he said, go back and tell John what you hear and see. He didn't say, I am. Tell John it is okay, I'm the one. Yeah. He went back and he said, tell them what you hear and see. And he answers by pointing to his actions. He doesn't just reply verbally. He appeals to prophecy. And he says, the blind see again, the lame walk, the deaf hear. And here Jesus is referring back to the prophecy of Isaiah, which we have today in our first reading, which says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unsealed, and so forth. Jesus knew that John would be aware of this prophecy about what the Messiah would be would do when he came, and that would clearly indicate that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. And then Jesus added the line, Happy the one who does not lose faith in me. Mm-hmm. Jesus wants people to keep faith in him as the Messiah, even though they had come to expect a different kind of leader. And then Jesus, as the messengers left, it, 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 there are some things we'd love to know in the Gospel, John. What happened when the boys came back to John? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's mm. so many things we'd love to know. We'd love to know what we'd done for the three months between Elizabeth and Mary and, exactly. you know, and so forth, yeah. but we don't know. And so Jesus turns to the people he had been with before these messengers from John arrived, and he said to them, these are the people that went out into the desert to, to see uh, uh, John the Baptist, and Jesus said, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze. Again, he was talking to something of their experience in marshy places. There'd be, you know, reeds that grow very high and every breeze that would come would sway them head on over. Mm. And I think Jesus is being kind of being a, a little bit humorous here, like, you know, because whatever John is, he's not a he's reed exactly. swaying in the breeze. No, just fist. So um, he was using an imagery that his listener would have been familiar with. And the wind blowing the reeds and so forth. And nor was John a follower of fashion. He said, was it a man wearing fine clothes? <laughs> Not really. No. Locusts <laughs> no. and wild honey mm. and dressed in camel hair. And then, was, and then he said, was to see a prophet? And Jesus answered his own question and goes on to pay a great tribute to John. I tell you solemnly, of all the children born of women, a greater John the Baptist has never been seen. And uh, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's confirming that, yes, of, he is a prophet. The, the silence of prophecy has been broken after all those hundreds of years. 
And then he goes on to kind of almost, in a sense, take away something of the, the, the significance of John when he says, yet the least in the kingdom of heaven mm. is greater than he is. Um, the, and I was looking up the Jerome commentary again, and you see, explaining that John preached before the reign of Jesus, um, but the least in the kingdom is greater because they will have the light of the gospel. Yes. And the mm, communication mm. of the power of the faith, mm. as as Jerome puts it. So, and so, in relation to what John lacked then, and what made the the least in the kingdom of heaven greater than him, Barclay, that Protestant scholar, has a nice piece on that. He said John had never seen the cross. Therefore, yeah. mm. the one thing John could never know was the full revelation of the love of God, that is reflected in the harshness. Of John's teaching. John was a bit severe, you know. But Barclay says, Father, it took Jesus and his cross to show people the length, breadth, depth and height of the love of God. If John had experienced the the, 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 the cross, he would have seen that the central message that God wanted to get across to the world was the love of God. And maybe he would have understood Jesus a bit better, you know. So... Um, so, so that's just a bit, John, by way of... Um, Which kind of helps us all when we, when we do come to the lecture uh, of, a, of, a, of a Monday night, um, at least we're getting some background, some, some true and proper background to it, rather than come in with our own preconceived ideas. This gives us a better idea or a better chance. I mean, even that last sentence you just used there, I don't want to break into your to your lecture, but 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 about the cross that John had never seen the cross, and even from our own experience, if we see somebody who's really put themselves out for us and, and suffered for us, we really do appreciate them. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. like John never had that experience. Oh, yeah. John, John had right. heard of it, and yeah, and That's we right. all hear of things. Yeah. But when it happens to ourselves, That's wow, right. it's got insight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, we can't be. We shouldn't be too hard on John for being no. a bit severe in his no. approach. Yeah. No, yeah. I suppose like it, 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 that's by way of background now. But Lexio Divina invites us, to, as I often say, to jump the two thousand years from the gospel time down to our time, and to to, to connect the word of God and the gospel with with our experience, uh, our life. So. If you take a little phrase like John in his prison, what can that, what can we learn from that? Like you know, and well, obviously we can learn that things hadn't gone smoothly no. for John. Mm-hmm. He, he's in prison, mm-hmm. um, and we might try maybe to get inside the mind of John here in that position. Maybe he felt very down. Maybe he was having doubts. Maybe even a bit disillusioned. And maybe what we were talking about earlier, the maybe disillusion that Jesus wasn't quite quite the kind of preacher that he expected. Um, After he all, probably I didn't like. quite get the love preached by mm-hmm. Jesus for the reason we've explained. After all, I've ago. done, and this is what happens to me, like yeah, yeah. So, um, and uh, perhaps Jesus is addressing then the possibility that he might have been a bit down or a bit disillusioned or a bit unsure of himself. Uh, Jesus addresses that when he says, happy is the one who does not lose faith in me. Mm. That must have been an encouragement for John in his prison cell, you know. Um, when the messengers went back and told him, John must have got lifted by that. Mm. He said, look, look, John, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. It, it'll work out, you know. Um, happy the one who does not lose faith in me. 
don't lose faith in me, John. And then that you see that word faith again, you know, that that's something again and again and again that, that that we as human beings find it very hard to deal with unless going back to what you said before, we have that relationship with God because if somebody, if somebody doesn't know God, you know, uh, and so they can't make any sense of this. Yeah, you see, uh, faith. We can narrow down faith sometimes to belief in in the teachings. God, don't throw yeah, yeah, commands yeah. the teachings, you know, of Christ mm. and as uh, expressed by the church and so forth, you know. Mm. But but faith is is broader than that. Faith is is our relationship mm. with mm. Jesus. Um, have you faith? I could ask that question in another way by saying, are you in conscious relationship with Jesus? Mm. And um, so the, uh, we're nowhere without that. You know, if, if we haven't Jesus in our lives, if we're not consciously trying to, to build a relationship with Jesus, and, and the more we get conscious of the importance of relationship with Jesus, the more we'll pray, because prayer is the language of our relationship mm. with Jesus, with God, you know. Another thing that maybe we could learn from from the life of Jesus Himself, He continually prayed. Oh yeah, absolutely, and all into the hillside at all kinds of hours in the morning so, and so forth. And um, He was teaching us. And and uh, in relation to John in the prison, there, John, we, we we could one of the things we could prove inspiring for us is how he copes with adversity. Yeah. How do we cope? Yeah. With adversity, are we able to keep faith in God when adversity? Strikes. Yeah, not, not easy. Not not easy, mm-hmm. and certainly not easy. And nobody knows better than than Jesus that it's not easy. He's and well as you said to struggle. us, prison can be all sorts of stuff. As you said to oh, us, yeah, 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 there's, yeah, there's different kinds of prisons. Oh yeah, uh, we can be imprisoned in all kind. We can be imprisoned in addictions and every kind. That's of thing. right. You know, there's we can be just we can lose our, our our power. You know, and something else. When you're in prison, you're not in charge. You know, and. Mm. Um, we we can surrender our, the control of our lives to all kinds of things, and, and so and and in that case, then it's it's not easy then to accept what somebody says to us. Have faith in God. Like, if you're stuck in the middle of that, whatever you're into, yeah. and you don't have any connection with God, it's very hard, yeah, to be able to deal with that working way through. It, it is, yeah, you know, and I, I mentioned earlier, John, we'd love to know how when the messengers went back to John the Baptist and they told yeah. him. But like, as I say, we're not told, like, you know, but, but um, mm-hmm. um, perhaps what's happening there is John, John the Baptist says elsewhere in, in one of the Gospels in relation to Jesus, he must increase, I must decrease. John yeah. was very clear that he was the precursor. He was the one sent to prepare the way of the Lord. And a lot of people thought he was the Messiah. Maybe that accounts for the flocking out into the desert from the cities mm-hmm, and around mm-hmm, Judea mm-hmm. and Jerusalem so far. That there's, um, uh, a lot of people thought he was the Messiah, but uh, John was very clear. Uh, he, he said, he pointed to Jesus. Once he became sure that this was the Messiah, he pointed to him. And he said, he must increase, I must decrease. And maybe that's what's happening there in the writing of the Gospel. When they don't tell us what happened mm, when they went back mm. to John, and the focus now switches to Jesus. Um in a sense, John's t- once once John has established that Jesus is the Messiah, and that he has started his preaching, John's task is complete. Uh, he has prepared the way. Um, and I I, 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 I don't yeah. know if I mentioned this uh, at the on Monday night, but Father Dennis McBride reminds us of a Chinese proverb which says, "When a finger points at the moon, 
only a fool keeps looking at the finger. Mm. You know, so once Jesus appeared, John was gone yeah. into the background, yeah. you know, but there's a nice uh, Chinese proverb there, you know. And, and as I said, John catches that when he says he must increase and I must decrease. Um, and then we might, you know, one of the things we might do is, um, you know, uh, is this kind of experience that John is having, is that ever reflected uh, in our experience um, like you know, John came, did his job, and then he's faded into the background. And we know eventually he was he, he mm-hmm. was beheaded. Um, but the same kind of thing where he must increase, I must decrease. Um, supposing some people that started a movement, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and they didn't live at all. Someone else bore the fruit. Like I often think of the people that found the religious orders. You know, we we celebrated. Um, uh, recently there, the priest of St. Francis Xavier. Yes, you know? yes. And he was one of the first six Jesuits ordained mm-hmm. and sent mm-hmm. to India by Ignatius, like, you know. Um, and uh, But there, Ignatius of Loyola started the, the, the Jesuits there, like, you know. But he never lived to see the, yeah. the fruit of what he was doing, you know, how the seed he sowed, like what the shrub it turned into, you mm-hmm. know, and them. Um, uh, but it is those who, who come after them who reap the benefit and get the credit. And that was very much the, the case for, uh, for John. One man sows and another man reaps is, another, is just a way of saying the same thing. I have to think of the same thing we as parents or, or, or yeah. you know, if we don't open our mouths, they're mm-hmm. not going to hear it. Isn't that in the, in the scripture there somewhere recently? If nobody preaches, nobody hears it. Hmm. So if we keep our mouth shut within our family, within our social surroundings and so on and yeah. so forth, people are not going to hear, hear encouraging stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's encouraging. It's not pie that guy like. Oh, yeah, It's real, real, real. Real, real yeah, stuff, yeah. 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 And um, the, so it's happening all the time that uh, we do our best, we make our contribution, yeah. and others f- frequently reap the rewards of our labours. Like, you know, your children reap the rewards yeah. of your labour as a parent, you know, and... Um, and I think what we need to realize there and what John the Baptist learns in this gospel is we are part of a bigger picture. Yes. And that mm-hmm. our little contribution mm-hmm. is subsumed into that greater picture. Um, uh, and that's uh, Jesus, uh, the, the words of Jesus, happy the one who does not lose faith in me, has a particular rel- relevance to those who contribute and play their part in the life of the church in difficult times yeah. like today, mm-hmm. you know. Don't lose faith in me. Just you know, I mean, you just do your, you do your best, you do your little bit, you play your role, and uh, it's a little seed, and God alone knows what shrub can grow from that. And then the, that's not the thinking of the world these days. The mm. thinking of the world is, look, I've done this. Look what I've done. Mm. Give me the glory. Oh, give me, yeah, yeah. give me oh, yeah, yeah. whatever's due. Mm. And I think the thing that's worth considering too, John, is is the role of the wilderness. Mm-hmm. In John's life, but not just in John's life, you know, but right all over the gospel and the Old Testament. So, um, like, no doubt, like, when the people in Jerusalem and all the towns and countryside around Judea started going out to this God-forsaken, mm-hmm. in fact, the commas, I must yeah, yeah, stress, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, people would probably be saying, what in God's name are you going out there for, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the point? And and, uh, and then they probably said to John, what are you preaching out there for? Go into the city. Uh, sure, nobody will hear your message out there. And and we might just, the, the gospel might ref, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, prompt us to reflect on that. How come 
he preached in the wilderness and uh, probably more successful there than if he had gone into the city of Jerusalem or into the temple because there were so many there that thought they knew it all. And um, so it, it's amazing the great things that happen in the wilderness in the Bible. You know, and it's a thing worth pondering. Um, I mean, even our own lives, we'd be surprised how much I've learned from my own experience from mm-hmm. people who might not necessarily know the scripture verbatim, but are probably speaking the word of God without them knowing it themselves. Without knowing it themselves, exactly. But God, yeah. God's doing the stuff again. He's doing it, yeah, yeah all yeah. the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and and if you go back to John in prison, like his time in prison was an experience of another form of wilderness. Mm-hmm. But Jesus had words for him. In that yeah, wilderness, yeah, yeah. the word of God reached him in the wilderness of the prison. And we can experience wilderness too in various forms, like the loss of a loved one or a serious illness or whatever. There's so mm. many different forms. And I suppose the question that raises for us, John, is do we trust that God will reach us in our wilderness? Or do we get angry with him or give up hope in him when we experience wilderness in whatever form? And it might be worth asking ourselves, have I any experience of God being present in the wilderness in my, in my own life or in the life of a, another around you? Like, you know, mm-hmm. have, have they, they move on from the Bible 2,000 years ago and say, you know, ha, has the wilderness uh, proved to be a place, you know, that I have benefited from uh, a wilderness yes. experience? You know the way people say, uh, John, if they went through a tough time, it was terrible while they're going through. When yeah. they look back on it and they say, best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. They mm. were in a wilderness. They hated being in it. They thought the world, their life was over. And um, the uh, next thing they, they say, yeah, that was a fruitful time. So, um, and, and there's a sense in which we need to create wilderness uh, around us too. You know, wilderness comes in the line of pain or bereavement mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's plenty of it that way, you know. But we need to detach ourselves. And, you know, it's interesting that the the first thing Jesus did in his public ministry was he went out into the wilderness, you know, to to reflect and to think. So we need to create kind of wilderness, create space and a a place of detachment and and leave the trappings of life behind for a moment, like, you know, and... um, uh, and, and and that was the little day we had in Monegay last Sunday. Yes, you know, was yes. was was very much all that. You know, and and the the, the little piece of scripture that we followed, guiding us, and that was where Jesus said to his disciples, "Come away and rest a while with me. Come away and create a little bit of wilderness." And it's amazing how easier it is to hear Jesus. But so if I don't, it's do not that. just a, a Bible experience yeah. in the Old Testament or whatever, but it, it's in our lives too. But if I come away anyway, I mean, I, no matter mm. what somebody is going to um, give me in, in, in regard to inspiration, so on and so forth, in the talk, I must be clued into what they're saying, I, and I must give them chance to do that. And if if I've got all these gadgets on and and, and all this yes, yeah. babble going on, I, I can't hear yeah. it. Yeah. So coming away to some place completely different. Oh, yeah, 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 I think, really yeah, I think it's... A, my experience, too. And, we, and one way or another... And, you know, for some people, it could be, John, a thing like driving to work in the morning and turning off the radio for yeah. 10 minutes. Yes, 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 yes. And just think about, think about how your life is going. Mm. And if you mm. think about it, in Morning Ireland, they repeat the same news. 
Yes, you know, yes, they, they, yes. You know, okay, there's new things coming along. Mm-mm. But there's a lot of repetition. Like, yes. So you won't really miss that much no. <laughs> if you turn it off for 10 minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, You're going to get it sometime. Yeah, yeah. It's so, um, and I think that, it, so there's diff- not everybody can go for a day of recollection, you know. And, um, but uh, to go for a walk can be a, a wilderness thing, you know. And um, I'm reading a book at the moment, like going for a walk reminds mm-hmm. me of, it's it's a book called Finding God in a Leaf, you in know. A leaf. Okay. In a leaf, yeah, a little book that's called, and it's by a Jesuit priest, and it has to do with the in, environment, you know, and with God is present in the environment around us, like you know. And he has some beautiful stuff in it, like about if you just find a fallen leaf in the autumn, like you know. Mm. He said, you should thank the leaf for all the good it has done, like you know. Well, you know, yes, while all the yes, scientists yes. are saying today about. Carbon and all, you know, mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and they say you should thank that leaf no. for what it has done for for all of us. You and know, that's truth, isn't it? Yeah, but that's well, another yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. wilderness type of experience, you know. So not everybody can go, but there's, there's all people going up to their room, people turning off the television, set but it, whatever but it is. Isn't that what it is? It's turning off. It's turning yeah, off the uh, other distraction. Oh yeah, and going for a walk can be a wonderful way of doing it. Oh, exactly. Because uh, you know you're out in the fresh air as without well. expecting anything. Because going out for a walk, oh, you, you yeah. can turn around the corner and wow. Oh, yeah. But the problem is Could we're expecting things all That's the it. Time. If we expect it all the time and then and we, we don't get, like waiting, you know. We, that's, yes. it, that's it more of it. Then yeah. we get disappointed then because I haven't got what I expected. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we may discover, you know, when we reach the Lord, please God, that um, the, the times when we got no results were the mm. time when... Modern life. Real progress. Modern life, an awful life. In our lives, you know, so it's... Um, yep. Uh, so, the, and, and today, just the final point, John. This, the, this third Sunday of Advent is called Gaudete Sunday. We've moved away a bit from the penitential that John the Baptist was stressing so much. Mm-hmm. And um, now, and this is a kind of a, a reminder... In the middle of Lent, we also have it with uh, Letare Sunday in the middle of uh, of Lent, and this one here, Gaudete Sunday, I mean Rejoicing Sunday, in the middle of Advent, like you say, oh yes, it's a penitential season, it's time for checking your life and seeing what needs to be changed, but remember there's joy at the end of this, yes. the joy at the end of this, the birth of Christ, the joy at the end of Lent, the resurrection. And you know, there's a, there's one line there in the Gospel, which kind of brings out that too, you know, uh, about, and we touch a little bit on the lecture on Monday night, you know, sharing the good news. And where we do get good news, in, in terms of, you, you're seeing somebody who's who's stuck in the mud or somebody mm. who's isolated or whatever. You see mm. somebody who continually goes over and knocks at the door, offers them a cup of tea or mm. invites them out for whatever it might be. Yeah. That's good news, you see. And we, we kind of dismiss that because it's not, as you often say to us, that's not a big thing. Mm. But for that person who's there, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. It can be like a little light in the darkness, you know. Yeah. And where that person goes after that, we don't know. That person might go on to do great things because of that no, little no. cup of water they gave that person. And very important, John, uh, is recognising the good news in all kinds of strange, unexpected places, you know. Mm. I was, I was, I, I, at our day of reflection today for the priests, I can't remember the exact words I happen to with me now, mm. but like... Where do I go as a disciple of Jesus? You know, I go and meet all the strange kind of people that Jesus mixed with. Mm. You know, that's I don't pick my. We don't steps. pick. We don't no, pick the ones no, I like. No, no. I, I'd be happy to go where Jesus went. Yeah. You know, so. 
And from experience, then you know that maybe that, those are the times that you said when we grew, mm, we right. got most out of it. Just my own little thought there, just before we move on to the, uh, towards the end, and I, I like Michael de Vertai, and this week he shares this little thought with us. He says, Lord, we are in prison. We're all the time looking for the one who's coming to save us. And if this one does not satisfy us, we say that we must go and look for someone else. Send us leaders like Jesus, who make us hear and see the great things you're doing among us, the people who are lame now standing up and doing things for themselves. Others finding new energy to live creatively. The poor discovering the good news that they are not poor at all. Leaders like us, uh, leaders like this will teach us the blessedness of not losing faith in ourselves. And I think that's what you shared with us yeah. there before. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I also read something else there, picked up something else there to read. Um, it's actually by uh, a good friend, um, uh, Jack McArdle. And Jack, said something there today that I just want to share with people. And after I do, I just asked Father Frank for this to be okay. And we're actually going to read the gospel again. Father Frank, just going to invite Father Frank to read, to read the today's gospel ourselves. But what prompted me to do this was when I read these words that Jack said. He says, as you go away from listening to this podcast today, could you tell someone else in a few simple words something important that you heard this morning? If you can think of what it is and remember it, maybe you'll get a chance to share that with someone today. So with that thought in mind, we just said we'd read the Gospel again. I know we've heard it once. But bearing that thought in mind about what Frank shared with us, what the Holy Spirit is trying to share with us, what this, what I read for, um, Jack McCartan saying here is if you think you've heard somebody important, remember it. And maybe you've got a chance to share that with somebody today. With that in mind, we'll ask Father Frank to read today's Gospel again. Thanks, Father Frank. Right, John. So, again, the reading is taken from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. John, in his prison, had heard what Christ was doing, and he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or have we got to wait for someone else? Jesus answered, Go back and tell John what you hear and see. The blind see again. And the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised to life, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor, and happy is the one who does not lose faith in me. As the messengers were leaving, Jesus began to talk to the people about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed swaying in the breeze? No? Then what did you go out to see? A man wearing fine clothes? Oh no, those who wear fine clothes are to be found in palaces. Then what did you go out for? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and much more than a prophet. He is the one of whom scripture says, Look, I am going to send my messenger before you. He will prepare your way before you. I tell you solemnly, of all the children born of women, a greater than John the Baptist has never been seen. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So maybe to help us to take a few minutes over that, we can listen to us at our final piece of music today. And this is a worship song. It's entitled, Because He Lives, I Can Face Tomorrow. 
So until next week, for Father Frank and myself, thanks again for joining us. Enjoy the rest of Advent. As Father Frank said, just take a bit of time. Let me go away to wherever a quiet place is that you can find and see what comes up for you. In the meantime, for Father Frank and myself, God bless now. Bye. i